Hi everyone. Greetings from Chicago's polar vortex. It's freaking cold here. I am sitting down to record at 7 p.m. and it's snowing. It's been snowing almost every day for the last week. I think it was a high of 12 degrees Fahrenheit today. So it's cold. I haven't talked to you here on the public feed in a month. I was over on the patron exclusive feed the first Monday of February. I got into a talk on purity politics and intolerance and how that's been presented in the beauty space online. So if you'd like to hear that, it's patreon.com slash l'amour et la musique. Today, I want to just do a fun episode. So we're going to talk about favorites, eco-beauty and lifestyle favorites. Since it's the beginning of the month, kind of an odd time to do favorites, we're going to make it January and February favorites. I also realize I'm publishing this right around Valentine's Day. If you missed it, last year I did a whole episode, I think it was episode 10, on why I love Valentine's Day so much. It's actually my favorite quote-unquote holiday. And I spent that episode also talking about just other things I love, like random things I love that other people don't or kind of like unpopular things to like, for example, laundry and drinking milk. (laughs) And I forget what else, but I'll link it below in the show notes for you. I typically do beauty favorites, beauty and lifestyle favorites as videos on YouTube. At least I have for the last six plus years. So I'll include my playlist of all my past beauty favorites videos on YouTube, but I think I've done a couple here on the podcast. So I'll link those below for you as well. Today, we're going to talk about skincare, makeup. I have a wish list item I wanted to talk about and then some lifestyle stuff. So media, I have a music recommendation. So let's get started with skincare. For the last couple of months, I've been using a new to me brand called Plenitude. I've been using the Nourishing Cleanser and the Floral Essence. So these were sent to me through Pink Moon. So Pink Moon is who is stocking this brand. The founder of the brand is a woman named Martine. And she says, Plenitude's inspiration is deeply rooted in my ideologies of Caribbean herbalism and traditional folk medicine. From a young age, my grandmother exposed me to the beauty and healing power of plants. So I think this brand has a unique perspective. And right away when they arrived, it was like perfect timing. I was having my post-holiday come down, which was extremely hard this year. Now, keep in mind, I'm not typically a holiday person, a Christmas person, a New Year's person. I'm not a very big fan of the holidays for a lot of reasons, but I was very depressed to take our Christmas tree down this year. And I was just having like really bad winter blues, like quite early in the winter season this year, which is is kind of rare for me. So this package showed up in early January and the products are so uplifting and cheerful. They're in these big glass bottles with bamboo tops, and um, it almost has like a creamsicle color, the, the nourishing cleanser. And when you use them, it's like a floral citrus. And to me, I mean, I have products that are citrus that I like, for example, Maya Chia, the Optimist, like a lot of Neroli type of products I feel is a common citrus note in skincare and beauty. And then, of course, we have so many products that are floral in the beauty world. But this combination of 
floral and citrus, I just find to be so unique. I'm going to spray the floral essence. Yeah, it says mandarin orange. It's like, I don't know. It's unique. It's really fresh. It makes you feel like you're on a vacation in the Caribbean, which is probably the point of it. My favorite of the two, I like both a lot, but the nourishing cleanser kind of has a little leg up on me. So it comes in a pump dispenser and it's a beautifully gentle, just wonderful second cleanse. This has actually been my preferred second cleanse basically since it came into my life. I rotate it with products like the Audacity Gentle Rejuvenating Cleanser, I think it's called, which is a creamy cleanse, and then Ranavat Ceremony. But there's something about this uplifting floral orange citrus scent that's just doing it for me um, right now. And it's very calming to the skin. It's just really a joy to use, especially this time of year. It says anti-inflammatory soothing cream cleanser, calm and comfort your skin. It's full of antioxidant-rich botanicals like acai, cranberry, raspberry, and citrus. So this wouldn't remove makeup. You'd want to do that first with an oil or a balm. But if you're a double cleanser or you don't wear makeup or SPF, So I actually was just on Pink Moon's website to see what else they carry. And this brand isn't yet listed there. It could be that they're launching them soon, but you can go investigate the full range at shopmyplenitude.com. One other quick note before I move on, because it was on my mind to mention, I had done an episode, I think over the summer about favorite skincare combinations that I really like to do. For example, Maya Chia, The Optimist with... Infiore Pure, I think the Neroli face oil. And then I really liked pairing Earthwise Nap in the Meadow with Infiore Calm face oil. So I really like these products, both of these Plenitude products, the Floral Essence and the Nourishing Cleanser, in a routine with Earthwise Ambrosia du Serato. If you've used Ambrosia du Serato by Earthwise, it's that same fresh, juicy, citrus, sunshiny type of product. It's the same energetic impact. So I think that they would pair or they do pair really nicely in routine. I can speak from experience. I use Ambrosia du Serato a lot and I like kind of really trying to impart a lot of moisture to my skin with Ambrosia du Serato, doing some layering with the floral essence because Ambrosia du Serato is very aloe rich and you just kind of have to go in layers and see how much your skin drinks up. And then you could do a neutral oil like Kahina Argan oil or even something like Earthwise Ruby and then keep sandwiching the essence as you're layering the products. And it's really a blissful morning experience in particular because it's so sunny and uplifting. Next in skincare, I wanted to talk about this absolutely precious duo from Precious Skin Elixirs. I wasn't meaning to be redundant with the precious, but the duo is precious and the name of the brand is Precious Skin Elixirs. So one of my last, or I think it was the very last thing that I bought in 2020 was my order from Precious Skin Elixirs. I wanted to pick up Marissa's Hamsa gift set. She had made a limited edition body butter and a beeswax candle. And for a long time, I had been wanting to try her garnet lip glaze. And then Marissa was on the podcast not long ago. So I'll link that interview with you down below. Uh, Such a beautiful, nourishing conversation. And for a limited time, she was offering free, um, I forget what size this is, maybe 15 mil jars of her blue opal solid serum. Um, So it's like a balm, but more like has the qualities of a treatment serum 
and some of the more intensively moisturizing qualities that a balm might have. So she was doing a promo where you got a free one of those with your order. So I've been using both of these. Actually, I'm going to put a little bit of garnet on right now. I freaking love it. I really got turned on to the idea of wanting to use tinted lip balm after trying a sample of the H's for love. Oh, I forget the name of her tinted lip balm. She does a regular translucent balm that I also think is amazing. Now I'm talking about H's for love. And it's kind of everything that I wanted the Care Weiss lip balm to be. It's quite... Um, it's not the texture, for example, of the Precious Skin Elixirs Garnet Lip Glaze or the Lapar uh, Velvet Soul Lip Balm, two other lip balms I love, but that are more oily. They look a little bit glossier. The H's for Love regular translucent lip balm is quite heavy and like pretty stiff, but it's so good for working lip color into the lips and it's like not that high shine. So I really like that. And I also really like the H's for Love Tinted Lip Balm, which I went through a sample of. And then when I knew I wanted to order from Marissa, I was like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and get Garnet because I've wanted it forever. The way she packages them is beautiful. Um, There's like these gold wax seals on the top. There's like a pair of lips on the garnet lip glaze and then a really beautiful sacred geometry on the top of the blue opal. So garnet reminds me of, it's quite a lightweight lip balm and it reminds me a bit of the Modern Minerals Lotus Way flower infusions. It kind of has that same really light, crystalline, somewhat ethereal quality to it. The tint is noticeable, but in no way overpowering at all. Just really enlivening to the complexion. And it's truly a joy to use. So I'm so happy with that. And then Blue Opal is a very, very unique product. I'm so glad I got to try it. And to be honest, I actually use this primarily for its aromatherapy purposes. Sometimes I will put it on my face. For example, I like doing this kind of midday, the same way that I like to use Infiore Fleur Vibrant Serum Serrat. I think I've been pronouncing it wrong. I've been saying serrate, but now I think it's Serrat because I'm always learning the wrong ways that I pronounce Infiore products. The aromatherapy of the Blue Opal Solid Serum from Precious Skin Elixirs is Oh my gosh, it's kind of everything that I've ever wanted out of any blue tansy-ish product out there. So I don't think there's actually blue tansy in here. There's a cousin ingredient or herb or plant. I'm blanking on it, but Marissa did talk about it in our interview. I don't know. If you have issues with blue tansy, but there's you kind of want to like it and there's qualities to it that you like, but it just overpowers everything in every formulation... I really recommend picking up the sample size of Precious Skin Elixir's Blue Opal just for the aromatherapy alone. It does have really nice skin soothing and enlivening uh, properties too. I haven't used it overnight yet just because you know I have so many other things that are in the queue, but I've been using it kind of midday. I like to put it on my hands and, and basically just huff it because it smells so good. So I liked this duo so much that I went ahead and bought another set to gift a good friend of mine for Valentine's Day. I think they make a beautiful little gift set to someone in your life. And I just find them to be very special. Another product that's been saving my skin amid 
the polar vortex that we're in is the Audacity Deep Hydration Mask. And I also recently had Valerie Grandori, the founder of Audacity, here on the podcast. And I think I talked about this at the end, although I was very new to using it. I've definitely gotten more use out of it kind of over the last month, I would say. I had been relatively unscathed so far this winter in terms of how dry my skin was looking. I actually had evaded flaky dry skin for the most part until this last week. I was sitting down to do my weekly live stream for Patreon and I saw the dreaded cracked dry looking skin right around my hairline and kind of on my temples. First time I had noticed it this winter. So the way that I rectified it was, I think the temptation would be to kind of go in and do a lot of exfoliating, but my skin is just kind of persnickety and wants to be really kind of like babied and pampered. So what I've been doing is actually using the Audacity Deep Hydration Mask as a sleeping mask applied very minimally. So I use it as the finishing step of my nighttime skincare routine. I keep the rest of the products light. So like a thin layer of oils, you know, kind of sandwiching with either an essence or a toner and eye product. And then I take a small amount of this just kind of on the tips of my fingers and I press it in layers, focusing on the driest parts of my face. So like really working it into the hairline. It has a nice, like very comforting scent. I really like it for nighttime and I haven't run into any issues leaving it on overnight. It does work really well as an intensive treatment left on the face for, you know, 20, 30, 40 plus minutes. Like if you're taking a bath or something and applying more in like a thicker layer, I do think it gives great results, but you can also use it any hydrating mask for the most part if you use it the right way and just kind of press it and work it into the skin in micro layers. Um, and don't overdo it, right? I think that it's beautiful as a sleeping mask and I didn't find it clogging or anything and definitely has helped. It hasn't completely eradicated the dry skin. I really should make the time to do a steam and a nourishing mask, but I don't know about you. My self-care has been at kind of like zero in 2021. I haven't been doing very much at all, like gua sha, consoland, baths, steaming, Denchan, I have been getting by. I think I'm just at a challenging parenting stage. I've been transitioning maybe a little more to a couple mornings a week of an in-home daycare and it's been somewhat stressful. So I'm hoping to have a little bit more bandwidth soon, but I've been kind of running on fumes, just going to keep it real. Okay, let's close out the skincare section this isn't really a skincare tool. It's more of a body care tool. But I wanted to draw your attention to the rebrand of a brand many of you probably already know, Five Yina. They are now known as just Yina, Y-I-N-A. And they're featured this month, February, in Beauty Heroes with their Body Gua Sha Beyond Stone and the moisturizing product. I don't have it in front of me, so I'm blanking on the exact name the recovery body treatment. I just looked it up. The thing that I was so excited about, honestly, was the body gua sha stone because I have quite a little collection of tools 
I'll try to find a way to document that or show that. I don't know if I'll do it in video or on Instagram. I actually do already have another Beyond Stone stone from Wildling Beauty. I got their facial gua sha stone kind of very close to when it launched because I was so attracted to it. So needless to say, Beyond Stone is one of my personal favorites for a tool like this. Everyone has their preferences. I would say rose quartz is the most ubiquitous, but now a lot of brands are doing amethyst. I have a beautiful amethyst gua sha stone from Inlight that was gifted to me this holiday season. I have several rose quartz ones, and I'm actually on my wish list is the Nefeli Core White Jade gua sha board. It's like this huge stone. But this one is beautiful, the Yina Body Gua Sha Beyond Stone. And I love, obviously, the concept behind it. I first learned about or or kind of knew that gua sha was a thing by having gua sha done along my spine by my acupuncture. So using implements on the body to break up stagnation and move the lymph and you know all of these infinite things that you can do was really kind of at the foundation of this modality. And then from there, it moved into more facial aesthetics, right? And pretty recently too, although I'm not super up on my history of facial gua sha, maybe it's, it has been practiced for quite a long time within kind of the Chinese or Asian medicine context. But anyway, I digress. The five yina body gua sha beyond stone, I think is beautiful. I'm just like sitting here caressing it in my hand and it has some of the audacity deep hydration mask oils all over it, but it's, it's very beautiful. It's, um, let me try and describe the shape. It's kind of an arched oval. It has a comb on one end, like a comb wave edge and then, or a scalloped edge, I guess, a rounded edge. And then on the other end, it's kind of like a divot the way you would see on a traditional gua sha stone. So there's a lot of ways to use it. And I'm looking forward to continuing to explore. Now for makeup for this favorites episode. The favorite is really my Project Pan 2021. I've never committed to a Project Pan. In fact, to be honest with you, I never even was really sure what they were because you see at the beginning of the of a new year, all of these bloggers do a Project Pan video. And I guess I kind of intuited that it's something that you do to use up products that you have or to like hit pan, right? To make progress in your stash and to not accumulate new things until you use other things up. So I kind of understood that that's what it was, but I never watched the videos. I was never, I guess I was just like never that interested in the concept. And for some reason this year, I was. I watched TT Sandra do a Project Pan update from her previous year. And I think this was also born out of how many products of mine makeup wise have gone bad and have gone to waste. In fact, I have a pretty significant empty makeup or makeup clear out declutter video to do on YouTube. I'm probably going to do it on YouTube. And there's just a lot there that was wasted. And some of that I cut myself some slack for because I've been a new mom these last couple of years and just not obviously just not had as much time to myself, not as much opportunity to wear makeup. But I have really been slowly, slowly 
culling through and editing all of my makeup bags down. I guess this is just an inevitable process that beauty bloggers go through. You kind of get a decent sized stash and then you get overwhelmed and then things start going bad. And then you realize like, I really don't need all this crap. Like what, what are the essentials? What are the things I can use, keep around and use for fun? So I put together, I think it ended up being 12 items and I keep them in a separate makeup bag now, along with some other essentials that I wasn't considering for a project pan because I know that I'm going to use them up regardless, like the plume, brow pencil, mycosis mascara, fit glow corrector, that kind of thing. But there's 12 items here. And in fact, I I feel like I'm still waffling on certain things to take out or add in. For example, I have the Carowice Brown Eye Pencil, but I'm just not sure that I want to keep it in because now I've been feeling like it smudges on me too much. And I'm just not sure that I want to use it you know, on such a regular basis, even anyway, rambling about an eye pencil, a couple of products that I wanted to mention that I've been deriving a lot of joy using really regularly. And I will also say that knowing that I'm doing this project pan, trying to use as much of these products up over the year as I can. And some of them I know I'll finish. For example, my Weiss cream bronzer, I'm already half done with. So I'm going to plow through it. But some of the things I'm really excited to include that I'm deriving a lot of joy from using and feeling just more inspired to fit in a quick daily makeup routine more so than if I wasn't committed to Project Pan this year. Ritual Defeat Andromeda, which is a celestial sphere eye soot. I've already honestly made like a more sizable dent in this than I had in my Ritual Defeat. I soot. It's like the different formula in half light, I think it's called. That went bad. And I have already used more of Andromeda than half light. So there's some, I don't know, reflection point for you, reflection point for me, I guess. And the other thing I've been really excited about using regularly is a pretty new purchase. It's the Care Weiss Lip Tint in the shade Goddess. And I know that without committing to using this regularly, that it would probably languish and I would use it maybe once a month. But I'm alternating between the lip tint in Goddess and my Carewise lipstick in Mesmerize as a nude option. And I'm so happy with the two of those. I feel like there's enough variation. And then basically in my mind, what I've done is I've set up my Friday weekly live streams is the time when I can deviate and kind of do other stuff. And of course, it's not that strict. You know, I play around with things during the week too, if I have the time, but committing to this core set of products has been a really positive experience for me over the last month. I was kind of late getting started, but I'll find a way to show this. I might do a project pan, get ready with me on YouTube or a blog post, or I'll find some way to show it. I just know that I'm delayed, but I am doing it here quietly in my own life on the daily. The other makeup favorite I want to mention are the Emily Heath nail polishes. So I picked... Well, I picked one nail polish up as well as the top coat for my Indie Beauty Expo Best in Show 2019 Awards project. These won a Best in Show Award. And as soon as I saw the packaging, I was like, yeah, I'm going to need one of those. I showed them in the video I did on YouTube. It was a Mercedes Shops talking through all of the products that I have been accumulating to test to review this awards list. So I have the shade 
the perfect red and the top coat. And I did a manicure with them a couple of weeks ago. I actually need to take it off probably tonight. So it's pretty battered. But after just a week on the nails, and I'm pretty hard on my hands, you know, I wash a lot of dishes. I'm kind of always cleaning, chasing after a toddler. There was really no chipping. There's definitely some wear on the tips, but no chipping. However, the second week is when you do start to get more of the chipping and wear off. But I would say a week of no chipping and still looking pretty good for a more natural, I think this is a 10 free nail polish. Um, And in particular, I was quite impressed with the top coat. It was pretty quick drying and I think it's just the mark of a fresh nail polish and top coat that they dry completely in the amount of time that they're supposed to. And then they're impervious to, you know, indentations or marks. Like if you go to bed an hour later, they're not going to get those weird kind of smudge marks from brushing up against your sheets. And this is the issue that I was having using my old Isla polishes, Ayla or Isla. I never know how to pronounce the brand A-I-L-A. I've liked their stuff a lot, but my polishes are just you know, four years old at this point and and definitely not really good anymore. So I was very, very happy with my first Emily Heath manicure. And I guess that's a little preview to how I'm going to feel about them in my final um, awards lineup, which is not going to come for another four or five months. I'm not going to review that whole list for quite a while, but the nail polishes were a huge immediate hit. I don't typically throw in a wish list item into a favorites video, but I feel that it's somewhat related to a favorite. So let me just kind of uh, give you the backstory. Someone recently alerted me to an IGTV video that Svetlana, who is the person behind the brand Gressa, I think it's the full name of the brand is Gressa Minimalist Beauty or something. I've known about this brand for a very long time. I even have an old video on my YouTube channel from like 2015, probably, where I was demoing the corrective, minimalist corrective serum foundation. It was such a novel product uh, at the time. I mean, and it has sort of stood the test of time. You know, so many brands now have come out and with serum foundations. And she was really a trailblazer as far as I'm concerned with that product. And I've tried so many Gressa items over the years. Beauty Heroes carried them for a while. They actually no longer do. I'm not really sure why, but I remember a couple of years ago, they had done some makeup discoveries with Gressa. I fell in love with the obscure eye tint. I thought the Lumiere uh, cheek tints were really beautiful. I would say that my issue with Gressa has always been that the preservation, like they don't last super long, particularly the liquid products. I remember with the serum foundation, I had had some issues with product separation and stability. I'm not sure how those issues have evolved, but back to the matter at hand, someone had alerted me that Svetlana had made an IGTV video that was worth watching. Basically, what she did was call out this new on the market brand, Mob Beauty. Mob, I think, was started by one of the people that was initially behind MAC Cosmetics, who had gone on to 
sell his shares of the company however many years ago when Mac was, I believe, sold to Estee Lauder. I'm not 100% positive on their corporate structure, but I believe they were acquired by a bigger brand. And this, I'm forgetting the names. I, I know one of the founders, Frank, I think one of them passed away. Another one I had heard interviewed on a podcast, maybe Breaking Beauty, some years ago. And it was actually a really good interview. One of the founders was an immigrant from somewhere in Eastern Europe. I know I'm like bungling all of the details on this, but uh, it was a pretty inspiring story. So, anyway, long story short, even though it's already a long story, Mob Beauty is this new brand and they're they're trying to position themselves, it seems, as eco, clean, green, sustainable packaging, diverse skin tones. And it's like a, it seems like maybe it's a makeup artist brand, but I don't know, like makeup artist, but for the everyday consumer. I haven't really looked that much into it. And to be honest, I had never heard of this brand. Apparently a lot of influencers, I can't believe we're still using this language too of like influencers. How is that even still still a thing? I know it is. I know I probably sound really whiny about it and someone will leave me a negative iTunes review for sounding too high on my horse for not liking influencer culture, but I don't like it. I think it's it has a right it's rife with so many problems. So apparently a bunch of influencers had been talking about mob beauty and Svetlana was doing a little bit of digging. And she basically made this IGTV video about founders or brands that have millions and millions of dollars and can do anything that they want. Basically, why are they reinventing the wheel and making another eyeshadow that nobody needs when all of these artisan makers have been toiling away in this space? And, you know, here comes Mac money trying to capitalize on eco and green beauty. So here's a couple things I will say. I actually don't even necessarily agree with some of the points that she raised in the video. I thought her argument about, well, they should just donate their money to a good cause instead of start another brand. I I thought it was, to be honest with you, somewhat of a weak argument because there's always going to be product innovation and brands are always going to develop. I mean, you could make that argument about so many things like we don't need another cleanser. We don't need any new products, but that's not going to stop people from putting out their their vision or their expression. However, I do see her point that to me, it's a bigger commentary on the co-option of the green and eco beauty space. And there's a lot of facets of this. You know, there's the the chemical, pro-chemical beauty contingent like Carolyn Hirons, who just want to double down and basically crap all over clean beauty while I guess still also embracing some of it that they like. Um, I'm not going to name names, but it just seems so jumbled, that whole perspective. But one approach is to double down on chemical skincare and totally try and discount anyone from, I guess, quote unquote, believing in in the merits of eco-beauty. I mean, I don't even know. And then there's this other approach of, well, if you can't 
dissuade people from being interested in eco-beauty. You're like, you might as well join them, might as well get a piece of the eco-beauty pie. So maybe that's what mob, mob beauty is doing. And maybe they actually do want to be a social impact business and do positive things in the world. Anyway, this is not supposed to be a whole commentary on mob beauty, of which I, I know very little about. Just kind of responding to Svetlana's video. However, I came away from watching that. You know, I haven't interacted with Gressa ever really very much on social media. Not for any real reason, just because I really don't follow a lot of brands because I hate being marketed to, even by brands that I like, honestly, with rare exception. But I really appreciated her outspokenness. And I went back through other work that she's done. Like I watched all of her IGTVs and just kind of revisited the brand. And I found myself really re inspired. Now, it could be because she's beautiful and she makes all of her products look really good and she makes you want to try everything. But I also do really appreciate the ethos of her brand, minimalist beauty, you know, watching her apply her products and have this very minimal face with with just a bit of color on the lips and cheeks and done eyebrows and slicked back hair. It was really more of like kind of an aesthetic inspiration that I gleaned from this. And then also a real respect for anybody who basically takes a stand on anything on social media anymore. And I have so much respect for that, even though I didn't even necessarily agree with all the points she was making. Um, you know, I know she's been, she's, I guess, pretty known for being outspoken. And I appreciate that about her. And that's the kind of person that I want to support. I feel like we need people to share their genuine opinions and start conversations. And I think she got a lot of hate for that video. And it's anyone that that stands up to online haters has my respect, honestly. So I immediately went onto Gress's website and I started putting a cart together. And I really want to pick up her bronzing fluid and the illuminating serum, which I remember trying foil packet samples of quite a long time ago and really liking. It almost has a lavender shift or like a pearlized pinky lavender. It's beautiful. And I had things in my cart and then I actually went to buy them last night and the highlighting serum is now out of stock. So I think I'm going to wait for it to come back in stock. I may also pick up a couple of eye tints. I may get obscure again. I've heard very good things about Roasted. And now apparently that is out of stock online and obscure is also out of stock. So I'm not quite sure what's going on. She's going through some inventory issues, it seems. But I will be keeping my eyes peeled. And I'm kind of curious about maybe exploring her skincare and just kind of making Gressa one of those people that I check in with online. I really like what she's putting out there. And it was kind of the first time I've felt inspired by makeup and beauty in quite a while. So I just kind of wanted to put that out there. Um, I do recommend, I guess, going to check out her IGTV on Mob Beauty, seeing what you think. Um, I just think that these are, it's, we can't be afraid to not say anything. Otherwise we end up just shells of ourselves and like automatons online and 
maybe I should take my own advice because I basically retreated from my Lemuria Law Music stories and now I make them privately for people on Patreon because I was tired of dealing with people lecturing me over DMs. So I don't really know what the answer is, guys. We live in a really distorted, inverted, weird world right now. Let's end with a couple of lifestyle things. So I wanted to mention for any of you who don't know him or haven't heard of him, the journalist Glenn Greenwald. He was introduced to me sometime over the last couple of months, and I've been just devouring his work. And I feel really ignorant for never having really known about him or read him. He is a First Amendment rights lawyer, but has been a journalist for a number of years. You can trace all of his past, mostly nonpartisan positions. And he founded an independent publication called The Intercept some years ago and then was recently forced out. Um, And I don't really know the contours of what happened there. And now he publishes his work on Substack, which is where a lot of independent journalists are going who are, you know, basically facing a lot of backlash or overt censorship, which has become a real issue. And I recommend a couple of pieces that I've read recently by Glenn Greenwald, his piece on, I think it's called The New War on Terror, where he basically likens what's happening with online discourse censorship to a redeployment of a domestic redeployment of the war on terror strategy that ensued after 9-11 abroad, that that approach, and he traces, you know, how mainstream cable news outlets are sending this message out. It's like the same language. And so the new war on terror, I think it's called the new war on terror is coming. I recommend that. I think it's a great read. And then his most recent piece is so worth reading. It's a huge call out of basically mainstream news and and journalism. It's called The Journalistic Tattletale and Censorship Industry Suffers Several Well-Deserved Blows. The little sub-headline said, the New York Times' Taylor Lorenz falsely accuses a tech investor of using a slur after spending months trying to infiltrate and monitor a new app that allows free conversation. It's a great read. He really hands it to them. And you know he's, he's pretty strongly worded and basically says that these journalists really just deserve our scorn for their tactics. And... Um, I mean, I was just kind of cheering the whole thing on. I am glad that I've gotten turned on to really high quality, independent journalistic work, which I was totally starving for and basically hadn't read all year because I found myself so dissatisfied with what just felt like this, you know, combination of turn in media discourse and what is allowed as proper discourse. And then, you know, just changes that I've been going through and and my own framing and how I see these things and perceive and interpret these things. So if you're on that same trajectory and wavelength, I highly recommend Glenn Greenwald. I was also recommended to follow Matt Tybee, T-A-I-B-B-I. They're both on Substack. And basically what you do is you just subscribe to who you want to follow on Substack and it gets sent to your email every time they publish a new piece. It's free for 
there's like all this public content and then you can pay, I think $5 a month for like all of the premium stuff, like extra stuff that they do, which I feel like I will probably advance to at some point this year. I'll quickly update you on my 12 books in 2021 reading project. So I have not abjectly failed yet, but I am a bit behind. My January pick was Water Codes by Carly Newday. I found this book through an interview that Carly gave on the Medicine Stories podcast and was an inspiration for a whole video that I did on structured water for my Patreon community. I went ahead and chose this book to read for January, and I'm about 50 pages short of finishing it, and it's February 8th. I was supposed to finish it by the end of January. And then I was supposed to start Human Heart, Cosmic Heart by Thomas Cowan as my February book in honor of February being the month of love and Valentine's Day. The little uh, blurb on Human Heart, Cosmic Heart, which I believe was published in 2016, Thomas Cowan was a 20-year-old college grad when he encountered the groundbreaking ideas of Weston A. Price and Rudolf Steiner throughout medical school. And as he established his practice, Dr. Cowan remained fascinated by this work and in particular by Steiner's provocative claim that the heart is not a pump. If Steiner was correct, what then is the heart's true role in the body? In this deeply personal, rigorous, and riveting account, Dr. Cowan shows that not only was Steiner correct, but our understanding of heart disease with its origins in the blood vessels is completely wrong. This misunderstanding is the reason heart disease remains the most common cause of death worldwide. Dr. Cowan offers a revolutionary revolutionary new way of understanding the body's most central organ and how we can best care for it and ourselves. Ooh, it like gives me chills reading that. I'm quite excited to read this. Um, we're going on a little getaway next week. So I'm going to take both books with me and try and finish Water Codes and get a really big chunk of human heart, cosmic heart done during this trip. I have a quick music recommendation for you. I do a playlist every month on my newsletter, Lamore Reveries. You can sign up for that at lamorelamusique.com. And there's a newsletter tab and you just put in your email. I publish new issues of the newsletter on the first quarter moon of each month, which is like, I guess, kind of random to um, anyone that's not into astrology, but it has personal meaning to me. And it's just a way to mark time and do something on a monthly basis, which is what I want to do for the newsletter. So I do a newsletter and you can access my Spotify playlist where I keep a compendium of all of the tracks that I list and I link to mixes and you know kind of all that jazz. But my recommendation that I just have to tell you about, I discovered the late jazz musician Youssef Latif. So you probably know I'm a huge John Coltrane fan and I on Spotify a lot of times I'll put on different John Coltrane playlists like John Coltrane Radio. This is John Coltrane. You know how Spotify does all of those options. And on one of them, Youssef Latif track popped up and I was just, I was like overcome listening to it. I was emotional. I was like, what is this? I need to know ASAP. The track is called Like It Is. I looked it up recently because I was posting about it on my stories. 
It says, Like It Is is a gorgeous minor key jazz ballad that finds multi-talented reed man Youssef Latif doubling on the flute and saxophone. The cut appeared on Latif's 1968 LP for Atlantic Records, The Blue Youssef Latif. Along with Latif's impressive instrumental doubling act, the subtle work from the rhythm section of Hugh Lawson on the piano, Cecil McBee on bass, and Roy Brooks on drums, the track is also notable for its gorgeous string section. Latif apparently wrote the string parts himself and did his own arranging with the help of cult favorite jazz producer and musician William Fisher. The net effect is one of the most staggeringly gorgeous jazz tracks to come out of the late 60s. And I mean, you you have to go listen to it. It's so beautiful. I was doing, I had never heard of Youssef Latif and I just love discovering new things like this, going deeper into music history. My love of jazz just continues to grow. I actually have a John Coltrane biography on my list of books that I'm going to be reading this year. And apparently Youssef Latif mentored John Coltrane. So uh, yeah, just go listen. It's so, so amazingly beautiful. The last thing that I'll leave you with is actually a teaser for some future content that I'm going to be doing, but it's like a huge favorite, potentially the biggest favorite from today's whole episode. Some of you may know if you follow Lamore closely or used to watch my Instagram stories, Almost a year ago, I think like last March or April, I started querying people for recommendations on beds, mattresses, bedding. I immediately kind of out of nowhere from one day to the next was like, we need a new bed. And Kav was like, yeah, we do. (laughs) So we underwent this long protracted process of figuring out what to get. I kind of sold him on my idea of getting something that was eco and natural, like latex and like all of the good materials that eco mattresses used. So we explored the brand Coco Mat for a long time. And then we found our way to this store called The Clean Bedroom, which has a shop, a couple of shops actually in Manhattan. And then I think they just opened a new shop in Westchester or somewhere. Um, like White Plains maybe. And they also have a shop in Indianapolis, which is kind of close to one of Kaveh's offices. So he had stopped in. They connected us with Tom Lincoln in the New York office. And he was just the most amazing person to work with. We ended up going with an Obison mattress. I had already purchased some Obison pillows and that also kind of sold Kav on it because he fell in love with the pillow like instantly. And we had such a good experience with Tom at the clean bedroom. We went with an Obison mattress, room and board for the frame. And then all of the linens are Koyuchi, which I took advantage of their holiday shopping discount where like with whatever amount you spent, you got a chunk of money off. So I'm going to do some kind of full content on this, like breaking down what I got, showing you visuals. So it'll either be, it'll probably be a a YouTube video um, and maybe some Instagram posts as well. And I want you to know that if any of you are in the market for a new bed and you're in the middle of this research process, um, I am working on a discount code with the clean bedroom. So getting people a percentage off uh, their order and just, I just can't recommend Tom Lincoln at the clean bedroom highly enough. 
So stay tuned. I'll try and find a way to get you that information. It'll probably go up on my website as well. Please don't hesitate to let me know if you have any questions. And again, look out for that video on YouTube, kind of like a tour of our new bed. I'll probably do um, probably sometime in early March. All right, friends, I think that's going to do it. I had to take a break like halfway through recording this to go help get the baby down to bed. Sometimes Kaveh and I have to take shifts if it's taking a really long time. Yes, we still lay with our baby to go to sleep. It's actually a very precious time, but it can be extremely frustrating if it takes a long time. So I'm going to go unwind. It was great sitting down to record and check in with you. Oh, the the thing that I'll leave you with that I hope you'll be excited about. I think I'm going to have more than just one episode on the public feed next one. So I'm going to do an episode, a podcast episode, the first Monday of March for Patreon. And then I think I'm going to have two interviews for you during the course of March. They're going to be, I think, really to your liking, really exciting. And that's just the way my recording schedule worked out. Please stay tuned for that. Uh, Please subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Please feel free to rate and review the podcast. It helps more people to find it. You know all the other places you can find me at Lamori La Musique on Instagram, youtube.com slash Lamori La Musique slash videos, patreon.com slash Lamori La Musique, Lamori La Musique.com, all of that good stuff. I will list and link everything I talked about below with all relevant codes that I know of or have so that you can get discounts on products. What else? Transcripts I'm a bit behind on as I'm undergoing a shift in who works on the transcripts. So I'm getting a new work process in place for that. So please bear with me. Um, It's still my goal to get everything transcribed. I wanted to get everything transcribed and up to date within this first six months of 2021, but you know, best laid plans. We'll see how it goes. I'm trying my best. Wishing you all a wonderful week ahead. I hope you had a wonderful Valentine's Day. Oh, at the time you're hearing this, I will have published a Valentine's Day Get Ready With Me on YouTube. So please go check that out. Love you guys. Talk to you soon. Bye.